Welcome to the Quick Quarterly Podcast. I'm Marie, and in today's episode, I have a chat with Daphne Wells about vulnerability, forgiveness, and how those two things can change the trajectory of our emotional healing journey. Enjoy! Hi Daphne, welcome to the Cook Coterie Podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you, Marie. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'd like for us to start with you sharing a little bit about when you were first introduced to the concept of vulnerability. Yeah, that was, I was in a a small group in a workshop and the facilitator it was I was questioning how I could feel safe because I didn't feel safe and this is some years ago she came up with the message she got for me was vulnerability is perfect protection being myself is safe And I reacted like, whoa, that's not right. Like that didn't feel, it didn't feel okay for me at that point in time. And she encouraged me to go away. And I mean, I'm going back many years now. She encouraged me to go away and sit with it. And the more that I really felt into it, I realized that there were, a whole, there was a whole lot of stuff around that as well. One was me trusting myself enough to share and be vulnerable and also selecting the people that I chose to be vulnerable with and trusting them in that. And when that realisation happened in you, because you you did share that at first it was shocking to you and it didn't really make sense. But once you started to absorb that concept, what was the next thing that you did? I, you know, I real, as I said, I realized that it, it really impinged on me trusting myself and trusting who I was being vulnerable with. And underneath that, of course, is that layer of do I love myself enough to trust myself? to share this and ask for the help that I need or share that this is happening and I need help or be vulnerable because there's a certain, when we don't feel safe, when we feel safe and we trust ourselves and we're vulnerable, we're able to be vulnerable, there's, we trust ourselves to have boundaries in place about who we share with and what we share, right? Um And the other thing I learned in that process, or one other thing I learned in that process, was that when we don't have boundaries that nurture us and and really protect us and protect others around us, because boundaries make everything safe for everybody in our life, um, we build walls. And what I realised was that in not being vulnerable, I had a wall of self-protection around me and I actually wasn't letting anyone in. And the only people who were managing to get in were the abusers in my life because they knew how to get through that. Would it be okay with you if we went deeper into that, if you could share how you learned 
that the abusers in your life was able to break through to you in that way? So I came out of a marriage that wasn't a good marriage. It was a pretty toxic marriage. It was um, my husband was manipulative and controlling and abusive on many levels, emotionally, verbally, not physically, thankfully. Um, and in some ways that did make it harder for me to realise what was going on because he had me convinced that if I told anyone what was going on, they would think I was crazy because he was like a different person when there was just him and I to when there was anyone else in the room. And so that kept me trapped for quite some time, for many years actually. And as I was coming out of that, there was another man came into my life who Clarissa Pinkola Estes in her work describes this kind of man as the predator male. And he comes in like he's really gallant is the word that she, he, she uses. So he really comes in like he's going to help you. He's going to protect you. He's going to, you know, fix things and be there for your children and, and help you and support you in whatever way he can. And he gradually like wormed his way in and got to know me really well. And I was vulnerable with him and sharing stuff because I felt safe because he, he was sly and was able to manipulate and, and gain that level of control over me. And yes, I participated in that by giving it to him because I, you know, I was in a vulnerable state and I was... Um, looking for help and support and he came along as that knight in shining armor but he wasn't um ended up being incredibly abusive on most levels you can imagine um and that was actually a harder relationship to extricate myself from because he went from being a friend he gradually infiltrated more and more layers of my life. Thank you for your vulnerability in sharing that. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to leave someone like that. The first guy I ever loved was quite similar to this husband of yours. In the, in the beginning, he was very charming and made me feel really comfortable and because I never really felt accepted by my family, I was desperately craving for validation and approval elsewhere. Mm. And he was very wealthy, so he would spend a lot of money on me. And we were only teenagers. And over time, as years went by, he started becoming more controlling and he would send me home if I wore something that he didn't approve of before we went to a club or a restaurant. And I started to have to text him a picture of what I was wearing for him to approve. And so it went from me feeling loved and feeling validated to now seeking his approval in every aspect of my life. And I had to run 
a lot of my decisions by him before I could make a decision if I was applying to a certain school or if I wanted to check on an event. He was very controlling in that way. And you and I have that in common that we both attracted people like that into our lives because of our upbringing. And I was wondering, Daphne, if we could go a little bit back into your life before you were even married and if you could share with listeners what your upbringing was like on the surface it was portrayed as being a very you know happy family we didn't ever there was no open conflict um there was a lot of I never felt accepted in my family there was a running joke in the family that I was adopted and the other, my siblings weren't. So they belonged and I didn't, was the joke. Um, because I was so different to them all. Um, and so there was this, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we do both share that sense of not belonging in our family. And so we look for that then as adults in relationships until we get to a point in life where we know, love and accept who we are and valid, we don't need external validation. And um, it takes some of us a while to get there. <laughs> and everyone's journey is different. Mm. And that's part of the process too is the timing of everything, the timing of when we realize that we are enough. And the guy that I had just talked about earlier, it was almost 10 years later that I even learned about narcissism and about psychological and emotional abuse. Because growing up, I always just thought that abuse was merely physical or or sexual, just any kind of physical touch that is violent or aggressive is abuse and the concept of I think the, oh, the emotional and psychological abuse as being abuse and even control and manipulation as abuse as well and that was a huge learning for me as well was to realize that as I said my husband had me convinced I was people would think I was crazy if I told them that no one would believe me you know like it was all my fault um, and all in my head right and so you kind of go along with this, well, this is how it is. And, and when you've grown up in a family where you haven't really felt like you've belonged, there have been elements of that in there as well. Because we've tried to, I don't know about you, I tried lots of ways to feel like I belonged in my family. You know, the people-pleasing, the... Um, doing whatever you know like I, I I was the Cinderella in my family I was the one that had to do all the chores and all the work um or the bulk of it right um it was just kind of expected and and how much of that I played into and and made bigger than it needed to be and did more than I needed to do in an effort to try and feel like I belonged and, and to be accepted I don't know. I was a child. 
right? <laughs> you kind of do what it takes to survive as a child, don't you? Exactly. And for children, the idea that we should leave our family, you know, like a pack of wolves, if there's a baby wolf, it, it won't leave. Even if like the leader of the pack tries to eat it because there's no food, like the baby wolf, wolf won't leave, right? And I feel like it's kind of similar to children where it's all we know and we'll just do whatever it takes to survive and conform and mm. fit into our family, even if it goes against our natural instincts. Because we don't realise as children that it's actually going against it. And, and I don't know about you, but, you know, all my physical needs were met. Do you know, like, I was clothed, I was fed, I, was, I had a home, you know? And so we kind of do, I guess, I guess from a child's perspective, because all of that is supplied, we do kind of like the, the little wolf. It won't leave, right? Because all our needs that we can perceive as a child are being met. Like even in my striving to, to do more chores and, and be more and do all these things and people please to, to be accepted, I didn't realise as a child that's what I was doing. It's only on reflecting back as an adult that I can see that was my motive, right? Um, because as children, we just do whatever it takes to survive, I think, in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And with growing up in an emotionally chaotic home, if we do try to be vulnerable we're either shamed or shut down or scolded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a combination or all of three, all of those three happens, doesn't it, you know? Um, and so we learn not to be vulnerable. You know, one message from my childhood was, you can't ever show your feelings, don't share your feelings with anyone, you've got to keep them inside of yourself. Um, and that could well have been the era that I grew up in, that could well have been, I don't know if that was normal for that time, um, but it was what it was, right? And so we kind of, for me, learning to be vulnerable as an adult was like this big, almost, you know, opposite side of the coin from what I knew to be true. And how do you reconcile having tried to be vulnerable when you were a child and being dismissed or invalidated and then now you're learning that hey it's actually a good thing and with the right people trustworthy safe people you can have beautiful wonderful relationships because of vulnerability so how do you bridge that gap and heal from when you were a child and you were dismissed for being vulnerable versus now as an adult and seeing vulnerability as a good thing? So from my perspective, I, I choose to believe that my parents did the best they knew how to do with what they knew at the time. I also believe, I'm, I'm a numerologist, so I believe that we come into this lifetime having 
soul agreements with the other people who we encounter in this lifetime to learn lessons together and progress through on our journey. So I choose to believe then because of that, that the family I grew up in was part, is part of my soul journey, my evolution in this lifetime, and that it's equipped me to help more people in ways that I wouldn't have been able to if I'd grown up in another family. In terms of healing that, that's been, you know, healing what I felt as a child, what I felt from my family, um, lots of forgiveness, um, forgiving me, forgiving them, you know, um, and, and that's all internal work. Like I don't ever have to find them and say, look, I forgive you for doing this because they won't even know they did it. You know, we hold on to these things until we choose to forgive. And really, it's only us we're hurting by holding on to them. So forgiveness is huge for me. Um, another thing is through numerology, as I, as I said before, with those soul agreements, I can look back at the agreements with my family members and know that I have fulfilled my part of that contract. My work is complete with those particular people in this lifetime. If they choose to re-enter my life in a healthy way, in a loving, nurturing, respectful relationship, fine. If they don't, I've fulfilled my contract, my agreement. And so for me, numerology gives me that certainty and that confidence that I can take those lessons and not be, choose not to be a victim of them, choose to be empowered by them and use them to help other people, which is what I do. You mentioned forgiveness. I was wondering if we could talk about that for a second. I believe that forgiveness is a very vulnerable thing to do because we are really seeing the hurtful situation for what it is with our eyes wide open and acknowledging that it did hurt us and releasing that anger and that resentment for the person who hurt us. Why do you think forgiveness is so important in someone's healing journey? Because otherwise we are wandering around with all these bags behind us. So I've got a big suitcase of all the ways that my family hurt me as a child. And until I choose to forgive and let go of those, I'm actually walking through life carrying that with me. It's not hurting any of the, it's not even influencing or impacting any of the people in my family who treated me badly because they've forgotten that. They may never even have intended to hurt me. It's the way that I felt it, experienced it. So for me, it's for my benefit that I forgive them, not for theirs. So you touched on going back to the hurt and the anger. I also look for the lesson in it. So I often use the Ho'oponopono, which is thank you for the lesson I learned from that. You know, please forgive me for my part, or forgive me for my part in it. And I forgive you for your part. 
Thank you for the lesson. I love you. And you're saying I love you to you and to oftentimes I will imagine that the child of that person who hurt me, you know, say a parent, imagine them as a child and forgive that part of them. If forgiving the adult part of them is not something you feel you can do. But when we... When we actively look for the lesson in it and, yes, feel the anger and resentment and then be, I'm done with that now. I don't need that anymore. I forgive myself for holding on to that and and carrying that around in my suitcase Um, because I don't want to be carrying all that stuff with me. And that's a choice. Some people do like to. It's a choice. So for me, that other part in there is I'm always looking for the lesson. And that requires great self-awareness. In my own recovery, I've been in many different recovery groups, and I've talked to other survivors of narcissistic abuse, and some of them, they really don't want to forgive. They don't think it's necessary for healing, and it's taken me some time to find a recovery space where I can be myself and how I heal is acknowledged and isn't judged because I, I do believe forgiveness is very important in the healing journey. And like you said, that there is a lesson that can be learned and, mm-hmm. and some survivors don't like that. They don't, they don't want to learn a lesson. They, they wish that it didn't happen at all. And I used to have that mindset myself. I didn't understand why I was born into the home that I was born into. I didn't understand why nobody could see that I needed help when I was younger. And it took me a long time, but I'm at the point in my life now where I don't hold it against anyone. I accept my childhood for what it was and I've moved on and let go of all the resentment and anger that I had that I kept in me for a very very long time and it's very freeing I really believe that on the other side of fear is freedom and being able to free to do what I want and wear what I want and I have a wonderful husband now who never tells me what what to wear (laughs) and I feel safe with him and it was a journey to be able to find him but I also know that I wouldn't have been able to find him if I didn't work on myself and truly accept myself and love myself. Yep. And I, my opinion, this is my opinion, not a judgment on anyone else. When I wasn't willing to contemplate forgiving those people, I was choosing to still be their victim. When I stepped into, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to work on forgiving and looking for the lesson in it, I stepped out of being the victim into being truly me and into being 
not just a survivor, but a thriver. As I say, no judgment on anyone else. We are all at different places in our journey through life. We all have different life journeys. That's my personal perspective on why forgiveness is so important. For me, it's that linchpin. And am I still a victim or am I truly not a victim anymore? Do I choose to still be a victim or have I, am I done with that? Definitely. And I think, too, that there might be a misconception on what forgiveness really is. Mm. I feel like some people think that when you forgive your abuser or someone who's hurt you, that you're saying that what they did was okay and it's not that at all. You are acknowledging it. You're never saying that what they did was okay. Never, ever, ever is what they did okay. What you're doing is forgiving yourself for your role in it and for, and for choosing to hold on to that anger and resentment because that, again, is a choice. You know, there are some people who potentially could go through similar upbringings to you and I and not be affected by them at all. Could we just water off a duck's back? And they might go out and and treat their family exactly the same way because that's just okay with them, right? Um, So we have, in feeling badly treated and abused by it, we have, that's a choice, really, even though that's a really hard thing to acknowledge. And so when we hold on to that anger and resentment, we again are still choosing to be that victim, right? Um, There's power in forgiveness, and it's never about saying it's okay. It's about saying, I choose me, I choose to not hold on to that bitterness, anger, resentment, fury, whatever. You know, we can... I choose to replace that with loving me instead. And that's really what forgiveness is. It frees, it it allows you to release that anger and that resentment. It doesn't impact the other person at all. It makes no difference to them because what they did to you made no difference to them. If you went to that other person and said, I'm still feeling really, really angry all these years later because you did that to me, they'd be like, what are you talking about, potentially, right? So you're only hurting you by holding on to it, is my personal belief. As I say, I'm no intention of judging anyone else. This is what I believe for me personally. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I was just going to add to it as well that you, when you forgive someone who's hurt you, you're also releasing yourself of the need to control the situation or try to control the other person. Like the example you use, you could go up to someone who's hurt you many years ago and say, hey, I'm so hurt by that one thing you did. And they might not have any idea what you're talking about or they might even say 
oh, I thought we fixed it or I thought we already resolved it, but you're holding it for so long and the, the other party has moved on. And I believe that forgiveness is also letting go of trying to control them or trying to make them do something that you want them to do. Oh, yes. So true. Yeah. Because when we are still in victim mode, we actually want them to apologize to us to make it better. So you're right. When we choose to forgive them and step out of that, we are releasing that desire to control them and have them appease the situation because they're never going to do it. Let's be honest. Exactly. And it's exhausting to even wait around hoping that they will apologize or that they will change. I'm going to share an experience where I hurt someone and I had a conversation with this person and this person was sharing with me how hurt they felt. They even started seeing a therapist because of how hurt they felt and I felt so bad and I had started to work really hard to gain this person's trust and to show them that I've changed and that I am open to reconciliation and making things work. Things were fine for a little bit and then we had another disagreement and this person brought up what I did in the past and I was confused because I said, oh, I thought I thought we moved on from that, but it sounds like you're still holding on to it because you said that you had forgiven me after we had worked, worked through it together, we had a conversation. So are you saying that you're still holding on to it, that you haven't permanently forgiven me? There's still some anger and bitterness that you have to deal with. And this person got very upset with me and said that, they couldn't trust me and I don't have a relationship with this person anymore. But when I think about forgiveness, sometimes I think about this person because when you tell someone that you've forgiven them, but it isn't a permanent forgiveness, there's still like lingering tension. It's not the person who's hurt you. It's not, it's not their fault that you still need to do some healing on your own because I can fly to the moon and back for you. I can work hard to earn your trust. I can do all these things, right? Mm -hmm. And bend backwards to show you my intentions. But if you're not willing to do the work on your own, there's only so much that the person can try to fix the person who's hurt. Mm. And from that experience with this person, I realized that you can't actually get closure from the person who's hurt you. Mm. And I've experienced that in my life when I've received apologies from people who've abused me or hurt me. And I thought it would make me feel better, but it actually didn't. Mm. And... Part of my healing journey is 
really letting go on my own and doing the work on my own and not expecting them to do certain things to gain my trust. Like I wasn't willing to trust them because of my own issues. That's so true. That really the only only person we can influence in the world is ourselves. And so the only person we can ever change is ourselves. So it really is up to us to do the work on ourselves, not expect anyone else to do it for us, not expect anyone else to, as you said, apologise to us. Because oftentimes, I don't know you, but I've had people apologise and you can tell they really don't mean it. You know, be like, oh, I'm sorry. And then half an hour later, same thing will happen again, right? You know, um, because it's just a, a flippant thing to say for them, right? Um, yeah, we are responsible for our own stuff. And we need to do our own work on our own selves. That's why we're here. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned people who who don't offer sincere apologies. Something has had that has helped me though to stay sane and to stay stay calm in those situations is to just believe them, to be honest. Because when they repeat it, I know that it wasn't sincere and I can either set stronger boundaries with them or let let them go and move on because it's exhausting to tiptoe around people and to question oh is what they're saying true or are they lying again it's exhausting oh definitely and boundaries are so important to being safe and trusting yourself, you know, the, the more your boundaries are aligned with who you are and what's right for you, the more you trust yourself and the more you're able to feel safe. Yeah, and it is somewhat of an experiment sometimes, figuring out who to be vulnerable with, who we, who we can be safe with. And if you're listening, this is just a reminder to... Give yourself grace and be kind to yourself as you learn how to be vulnerable with others despite being vulnerable in the past with people who have hurt you. And another thing I would say there too is if when you are playing with who you can trust to be vulnerable with and who you're not, play with little pieces of vulnerability like don't share the big thing that's really going to upset you if they don't take it on board share a little piece and see how they how they handle that you know if you're testing out who you can trust and who you can't to be vulnerable with treat it like a a game and I don't mean that flippantly I mean Let's just see. Like, let me just see if I can trust Marie. I'll share this a little bit with her. And, and in essence, that's what we did when we had a conversation the other week prior to this, right? It was like, can I trust Marie to share some of my story with on her podcast, you know? Um, do I feel safe being, how vulnerable can I be on this podcast, right? Um, because there are lines, 
boundaries that we need to have in place we need to know with each person well yes I can trust you you know definitely I appreciate you saying that because I feel like with a lot of us highly sensitive people or codependent people it's very natural to live life in extremes because we want to be loved we want to be accepted the first person who comes along who sees us we just vomit out all this information about us and the hot things we've gone through and we're like love us you know like these are all the things I've been through and finding that balance and like you said like a soft introduction to you you don't have to share everything at once it can be a little bit at a time because building trust is a process it isn't something that happens overnight my pieces of evidence I love that Daphne thank you so much for your time I was wondering if you could share with listeners real quick how they can connect with you yes certainly so my website is my name daphnewells.com and if any of your listeners would like to have a conversation about being vulnerable and or numerology and how that can give them a safe platform to know who they are, feel free to pop on over to speak with Daphne and book a free call with me. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Daphne. It was wonderful talking with you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you love. For married women who have narcissistic parents, I have a Facebook community just for you. It is a safe space to learn about narcissism and heal with and support fellow cycle breakers. The link for it is in this episode's description. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.